Hello everyone, welcome back to the Knowledge Group podcast where we're taking a forward look at what speakers are covering at upcoming events. This time we're turning our attention to employment law in the 2019 landscape, looking at trends, developments and what lies ahead. We're going to go live with this event on March 22nd, running between 3pm and 4.30pm Eastern Standard Time. Information about how to sign up and listen to this event, as well as more information about our panel, will be found in the description box down below. We're going to be joined by Philip Wolfenden, a partner at Shields, O'Donnell and McKillop LLP. We're also going to be joined by Jennifer Raphael Komsky, a partner at Leveson, Arshotsky and Kurtz LLC. We're also going to be joined by Chandra Davis, a partner at the Employment Law Solution, McFadden Davis LLC. Don't forget the code PODCAST25 will be in the description box down below, along with information about our speakers and how to sign up. PODCAST25 gets you 25% off that first webcast registration. Let's turn things over to our speakers now. Very well. My name is uh, Phil Wolfenden. Uh, I practice uh, out of Toronto, Ontario. Uh, I have been a vice president of uh, human resources for an international company, so I'm quite familiar with uh, how things work in the United States and across Canada as well as in Europe. Uh, we've had a very interesting year in uh, the labor and employment field in uh, Canada and Ontario specifically. I'm going to be talking about some things like the uh, national legalization of uh, recreational marijuana, which has had quite an impact on workplaces. I'm going to talk about uh, the enforceability of termination clauses, which uh, are not as prevalent uh, in the United States as they are in Canada, but there has been a push here to restrict what employees can get on on termination through the employment contract, and uh, there have been some significant changes in that area. Uh, we've also had uh, a very significant human rights uh, decision around uh, what has been uh, standard law for a long, long time here, namely the termination of uh, benefit programs uh, when people turn 65 and uh, our human rights tribunal in Ontario has uh, made a significant decision in that area which I'm sure everybody would be interested in and then uh, finally uh, I'm going to talk about um, arbitration clauses in employment agreements and there's been <clears throat> an important decision involving Uber technologies uh, here in Ontario in which our court of appeal has uh, found uh, those agreements to be unenforceable. So we have been spending a lot of time uh, with uh, drugs in the workplace and uh, terminating employees and benefits for people over 65 and uh, arbitration clauses uh, in agreements, particularly with independent contractors. So I hope you'll uh, come to our program. I'm sure you'll find it very interesting. Thank you. My name is Jennifer Rafel Komsky, and I'm a partner with Levinson, Arshansky, and Kurtz. We are in Sherman Oaks, California. Sherman Oaks is a suburb of Los Angeles, and I specialize in employment law. I represent management and companies in all aspects of their employment practices, um, such things as developing policies and procedures, uh, defending lawsuits, um, defending claims before administrative agencies, uh, and doing trainings and workshops as well as uh, workplace investigations. So for the webinar, um, I'm pleased to be talking about some very interesting um, topics. Uh, the first one that I'll be discussing is employment classifications, and those take um, a few different areas. The first is um, in California and in many of the other states, there's been 
um, increased scrutiny over the use of companies using independent contractors. So I'm going to discuss um, the classification of um, a worker as an independent contractor versus an employee, what goes into that classification, and what the risks are for misclassifying an, um, someone as an independent contractor when um, they should in fact be an employee. The other area of misclassification that I'll be discussing is the classification of an employee as exempt versus non-exempt, and that is whether they are exempt from overtime classification or non-exempt from overtime classification. And I'm going to discuss um, the different exemptions that are available to make someone an exempt employee, um, and as well as go over some of the, um, the risks for misclassifying uh, employees as exempt when they should in fact be non-exempt. Another area that is often overlooked that I'm going to be discussing is job descriptions. Um, people sometimes overlook, often overlook job descriptions and they can become very important um, in the category I was discussing before as far as uh, classifying employees as exempt versus non-exempt. Um, it also is important when um, you have an employee operating under a job description and they have some sort of disability and need um, uh, accommodations and that you need to engage in the interactive process with them. So I'm going to discuss um, some things to think about at the beginning, at the onset of the creation of the job or the position in terms of your job descriptions and how those can become important. Um, I'll also be discussing recent trends in the last few years um, of sexual harassment in the Me Too era. Um, not just legal updates, but um, changes that uh, different legislatures uh, have been taking to try to address um, the rise in awareness of uh, sexual harassment in the workplace. Um, I will discuss the importance and the um, process of conducting workplace investigations. There's a lot more awareness now by employees that employers are required to conduct workplace investigations when certain types of claims have been made. Um, and I'll also discuss training and other preventative measures that the employer can take uh, to try to prevent claims from um, becoming lawsuits. Um, so there's a lot of things that have happened certainly in the last few years um, since the Me Too era in the workplace regarding sexual harassment. Uh, the last area that I'll be discussing is um, the importance of documentation when there is employee discipline. Um, oftentimes employers um, think that they have properly disciplined employees, but the documentation is not there. So there are a number of um, techniques and tips that I can provide um, to help to um, adequately document when you have discipline and, and it makes, um, if there is an eventual termination that needs to take place, um, it helps to solidify the reasons and the basis for um, any termination and any discipline um, to help to avoid lawsuits based on those employment decisions. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this webinar, and um, thank you very much. My name is Chandra Davis. I'm an employment lawyer in Atlanta, Georgia, with the firm of the Employment Law Solution McFadden Davis. Uh, we are a boutique employment law management side firm, and uh, we have extensive experience uh, on both sides, actually, of employment law. I was, I'm a former, former trial attorney for the EEOC and um, also worked at a large law firm doing 
management side work uh, at McGuire Woods. Um, having both sides of the aisle experience has given us an opportunity to really view things from both a plaintiff and a management side perspective. And it's given us great opportunity to, to um, uh, mitigate risk for our clients. What I'm going to be talking about um, on, Mar in Mar on Mar excuse me, March 22nd is uh, kind of a, a, a tag team to Jennifer's discussion about um, uh, classification of workers. I'm going to talk about gig workers um, and the regulatory protections for them. Um, the, the, on one side of the gig economy are employers who say workers like the flexibility of being an independent contractor and, pref and prefer working when and if they please. On the other are labor advocates who argue that gig economy companies push much of the cost of their business onto workers who don't receive worker protections that were once standard, such as minimum wage and overtime protections. This is a really interesting um, issue that has become uh, on the forefront of labor um, issues, and a lot of it has to do with technology and the mobility that employees have in today's economy. So um, it's kind of taking the whole independent contractor versus employee issue um, online. Uh, and so I think it'll be an interesting discussion about uh, where we are in those protections. Uh, I'll also be talking about medical marijuana in the workplace. And the bottom line is, what is an employer to do if, if but it's probably not if, it's when an employee comes to work high or um, a drug test comes up positive? So these are issues that employers need to really think about um, prior to it happening so you know exactly how to react. A lot of it is state by state since there are um, several states that uh, have legalized marijuana. Um, other, probably about almost 20 states who have, um, have allocations for marijuana if it's for medical use, um, although federal law is still illegal. So um, there's a lot of balls in the air when it comes to the issue of medical marijuana in the, or marijuana generally in the workplace and whether it's recreational or medical. Um, the third thing I'll be talking about um, is class action waivers um, and in arbitration agreements. Many, especially large employers, have uh, instituted class, class action waivers in their arbitration agreements more recently. Arbitration agreements generally have um, been very popular with larger employers. Um, and adding class action waivers is a new and interesting area. Um, so we're going to talk about what, what are class action waivers, why employers may or may not want to have them, um, and uh, the Supreme Court has ended a long-running debate over the enforceability of arbitration agreements with class action waivers in the employment context. So um, this is a very hot topic and something that employers need to um, consider uh, is particularly when it's applied to the wage and hour and class action litigation. So it's something that I think employers will be interested to, to know and to, to make a decision uh, about whether they want to add class action waivers to the arbitration agreement or have arbitration agreements at all. So I'm really excited uh, to talk about all these topics 
and um, let you know what's coming down the pike uh, in employment law in these areas. Thank you. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Knowledge Group podcast. Don't forget all the information about our panel, more information on how to sign up as well. is found in the description box along with the code PODCAST25. That'll get you 25% off your first webcast purchase. Once again, the code's PODCAST25, and we look forward to seeing you on March 22nd. Take care. Bye now.